Well, if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to jump right into I Love My Church part two today. If you were not here last week, we talked a lot about, uh, about church and why we love our church. And, and, uh, and oftentimes the, the feelings that we have when we say the word church, I threw up a couple images last week of a, of a DMV, of a dentist office, and of a TSA airport checkout and had people tell me what they feel. And oftentimes it was ouch, hurt, I hate it, don't want to go there. Uh, all of those feelings. And then I asked our church, when you think of the word church, what do you think of? What word comes to your mind? And, and oftentimes for different people, it's, it's something really, really great. And then for other people, it's something really, really negative. Uh, people have been hurt by church. Um, and some people have, have had uh, issues with church. And we understand all that. But we read actually in scripture about how much God loves his church. And, and I don't know about y'all, but I, I want to love the things that God loves. And if God loves something, I want to love it too. And one of the things that we know in Scripture is that God loves his church. And last week we talked about how church is not a place, it's a, see how many people were listening. Church is not a place, it's a, it's a people. Okay, all right, it's a people. And, and, and church is not built on programs, it's built on a, does anybody remember? A person, a person, and that person's name is? Jesus. Hey, if all else fails, just say the name Jesus, it's usually the right answer. Okay, like, hey, who's the hope of the world? Jesus. Okay, all right. Who loves you more than anybody? Jesus. Okay, all right, there you go. All right, so if ever all is fails, just say Jesus and you'll be all right. Um, Matthew 16, verse 18, if you got some notes with me, we are a note-taking church. We are in our live church. We're a responsive church. We love to interact in the message, and so if it's something's good, you, it's, it's totally appropriate for you to say, preach it, white boy, or let's get it, come on, let's go, let's do it. Let's do this. Whatever it is. The faster, the more you talk back to me, then the faster I preach. That's how it works. The less you talk, the less you talk to me, then the slower I preach because I feel like you're not getting it. And so, uh, so when we get into Matthew 16, we get into the word of God, I want us to, to get ready for what God has to say. Are you ready? Yeah. Matthew 16, verse 18, it says this. Now I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build, come on, say those two words, my church. church. This is Jesus telling Peter and the rest of his disciples, guys, listen, on this rock, on this foundation, on on me, on this revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church. Not the church, I'm going to build my church. And look what's going to happen. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Well, not concrete. So we know this. Jesus was the son of a carpenter. And so Jesus was raised for 30-something years before he started his actual ministry being a carpenter's son. And so he was a carpenter himself. And so he built furniture and he built tables. How cool would that be to have a table built by Jesus? <laughs> hey, that's Jesus' table, by the way. It's Jesus' rocking chair. Um, that's, what, that's what he did. He built tables. He built chairs. He built things. But the great thing is, is now Jesus is no longer a carpenter building tables and building chairs. He's building people. And he's building his church. And that's what he's doing. And the best part about it is not only is he building his church, but God says this, or Jesus said this in this verse, that the gates of hell can't stop it, won't stop it, and the church is going to keep on building no matter what. 
And so God is building his church, and you look across our church, and you see God's building his church. Listen to this. I don't know if you knew this. In the last 10 years, more people have come to salvation than in the last 2,000 years. Did you know that? In the last 10 years, more people have come to know Jesus than the last 2,000. You know why it is? Because I believe that over the last 10 years, our world's gotten darker. Come on, how many of you would agree with that? Society's gotten worse. I mean, you just look across, even just in our own city, and you see how dark it is, and you see the, the effects of sin, and you see what's going on. But this is not a time to get depressed, because you're living in the greatest moment of history. Because when things get worse, the church gets brighter. When things get darker, the church grows brighter. So listen, most of us don't turn to Jesus when all's going well. We turn to Jesus when the floor's out from underneath us. Y'all with me here? That's when people turn to Jesus, when they come into this place and they go, I need help. And you go, yes, you do. And so, and so as the world gets darker, don't fear. Because you know what it means? It means that God is pushing people to himself. And so that's what's happening right now. God's doing this. He's drawing people. And so uh, I believe he's building his church, and he's building this church, and he's building every church around here. And, uh, and today we, we're celebrating that. So let's pray. Father, right now, God, would you, would you speak to us? Would you speak through me? They don't need to hear my voice today. Your people need to hear your voice today. God, I pray, Lord, that they would hear your voice more than any other voice today and that you would speak to them. I pray that you would save people today, set people free today in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, you said amen. amen. How many of you love eating? How many of you? <laughs> Y'all got more excited about that than giving, too. Okay. How many of you? How many of you feel like eating for you is a spiritual gift? Like it's a spiritual gift you got. You know, there's like generosity and helps and administration. And then you feel like there should be eating as a spiritual gift. Because if it is a spiritual gift, you've got it. And we know. We know. Um, it's, a, it's a spiritual gift. I love eating. I love food. Um, I preferably love Mexican food. Um, any Mexican food people up in the house? That is the Mexican in me that loves Mexican food. If you didn't know, I'm part Mexican. So I love Mexican food. I love La Ramba. I love Los Patrios. I love Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> it's not Mexican food. Just want to let you know to clear that up. But I love it. Um, but my favorite Mexican food restaurant is Coyote Blues. I love Coyote Blues. Um, come on. Can I get a witness on that one? Um, some fajitas. All right. So let's get back on track here. So I love, I love food. I love, I love all, all different types of food. But there's another place that I really, really like aside from Mexican food. And it's not really a place that you really go and, uh, and, and, and like fine dining. It's just a place you, you go quick. And, and actually our family went there Friday night and we went to Lafayette is I love Raisin Cane's. Any in here? I love Chick-fil-A too. Um, I'm, I, I love both though. I love Raisin Cane's though. And let me tell you what I love about Raisin Cane's. Chicken's amazing. Sauce is better. Come on, how many you with me on the sauce? I could just, I just need three things of sauce. One for each chicken. Y'all with me? I'm stealing from my kids in the back. Y'all got sauce back there? Somebody got some sauce? Bread goes in the sauce. French fries go in the sauce. Chicken goes in the sauce. My finger goes in the sauce. I mean, I'm just drinking sauce. I think it's the, listen, chicken's been around for forever, okay? Everybody does chicken, but nobody does Raisin Cane's chicken because nobody's got the sauce. It's the secret sauce. 
And if you actually go on Raising Cane's website, they have a thing on there, because I Googled it last night. Because <laughs> I wanted to find out how I could show my wife how to make this sauce. And you go on the site, and there's, a, there's a, like a frequently asked questions. And one of the questions is, what's in the sauce? And this is no lie. On the response, it says, this is a top secret sauce that no one knows about. And it says most of our employees think they know what it is, but they don't. <laughs> it's a secret sauce. The reason I bring that up is because when people come to OSC, whether they come to, to Eunice or they come to Crowley or Lafayette or Opelousas or any of our other churches, which, by the way, Crowley's celebrating one year today. One year. <laughs> Pastor Bob and Miss Tracy are there. So, um, but whatever church you walk into, any of our churches that you walk into, I, there's something that I hear almost every time, especially when I talk to new people that come here all the time. They, they, they usually say something like this. I don't know what it was, but there was just something about when I walked in, I just felt like I'm at home. And my response is, it's the secret sauce. It's the secret sauce. Um, and yet again, I'm... I'm I, I hear people say this all the time, and I'll, I'll get a little bit more into this in just a minute, but uh, people are like, why, why, is, why is the church like this, and, and, and how are you guys growing, and what's, what's happening here, and what, what is God doing here? And I'm going to tell you, I think I know the answer. I think I know the answer. Um, and I want to share today what I personally believe is the secret sauce. You want to know what the secret sauce is? I'm going to give away the secret sauce today of what I think makes our church what it is. Y'all ready? Y'all don't care about it? Okay, y'all want the secret sauce? Okay, here's number one. Let's take some notes. Here's your sauce. Ingredient number one. It's not Jesus and me. It's Jesus and we. It's not Jesus and me. It's Jesus and we. I honestly believe that the secret sauce of our church is Jesus and spiritual family. I think that's our sauce. Jesus plus spiritual family. So it's not Jesus and me, it's Jesus and we. we. Church is not an organization that you join, but it's a family you belong to. How many believe that? It's not, a, it's not an organization you join, it's a family you belong to. And this is a game changer. And I'm going to tell you, if we can understand that church is not an organization that you join like for membership, even though we do have membership, it's different. Our membership is not like Kiwanis or like the Jeff Davis Health Fitness Center or like, you know, Blockbuster, which no Blockbuster's around anyways. Um, but it's not like those places. Our church isn't like that. It's not a membership where you go and you get a golf club membership and, you know, and you're, you're part of it and you pay, pay into it and you get all this stuff back because... That's, that's not what we do. It's, it's not Jesus and me, it's Jesus and we. And, and we honestly believe more than anything that you can't love Jesus and not love the church. You gotta love Jesus and the church. They are, they are together. You get both of them. It's a package deal. And I wanna show you this. I wanna show you that it's not Jesus and me, it's Jesus and we. And I'm gonna show you how this works. Psalm 68, verse five through six. This is what it says. It says, Father to the fatherless. Now notice that father is capitalized. That's actually speaking God, that God is a father, which speaks of a family. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God who, whose dwelling is holy. God, now watch this. You need to underline this. God 
places the lonely in, what's that word? Families. He places the lonely in families. Now, let me just tell you this. Lonely doesn't mean you don't have friends. Loneliness does not mean you don't have friends. And I honestly believe, I think social media has probably, this is the one thing that I don't like about social media, and I love social media, but the one thing I don't like about it is I think it's tried to substitute relationships. The average person has 328 friends on social media. 328. The average American has two real friends. Two. 25% of Americans say they have no friends. One out of four. One out of four people say that they have no friends. And I honestly believe this wholeheartedly with all of my heart that people are living for likes but longing for love. I think they're living for likes, but they're longing for love. We have this desire to be connected. And you know, the crazy thing is, we as a people are more connected than ever before in the history of the world. I can post something right now, and somebody in South Africa can read it in a matter of five seconds. I mean, we are more connected to people, technologically-wise, than ever before, but we are more lonely than ever before in our history as well. Why is that? It's not because we're not connected, It's not because we don't have the technology. I believe it's because we haven't realized what family is. And this verse says that God places the lonely in families, meaning that God places you and I in family, meaning you don't join family, God places you in it. Let me ask you this. How many of you got to choose your mom and dad? Nobody. God placed you in your family. Now, there might be a lot of praying to God that you could trade. Like, can I do a trade deal here? I want that family, not my family. But guess what? God says, "Uh uh-uh, ain't happening. That's your family. Because God places you in family. Now, when we say the word family, there's a lot of dysfunction oftentimes that comes associated with that word. Because for many of you, maybe when you think of the word family, it brings up a lot of pain. Because you think if the church is anything like my family, then I definitely don't want to have anything to do with it. Now, some of you are raised and blessed in here to have a great family. I have a great family. I came from a great family. I'm so appreciative of it. But I realize that I am not the norm. That most people come from very dysfunctional families. And so when we talk about the church as a family... It's, it's, it's often miscues some things, and, and for oftentimes we think about us being put into a family, we think too oftentimes there's no way that God would put me in the family because I'm messed up and jacked up, so why would God want me in his family? I'm a jacked up piece of work. But here's the truth. Have you read the Bible? The Bible is full of families that were absolutely dysfunctional. Let me just give you a couple highlights here, all right? One brother murders another brother. Kids, some children, some kids mock their dad for passing out drunk while he's naked. This is is in the Bible. There's a husband who lies and tells the king that his wife is just his sister. And the king almost goes to have (laughs) relations with his wife. And his wife is like, I'm not his sister, I'm his wife. A wife tells her husband to sleep with the maid so that they can have a baby because they can't have a baby. And so he does sleep with the maid and then the baby has the baby. The maid has a baby and then the the wife is mad at the husband because he actually did what she told him to do. (laughs) One father gives his daughter's hand in marriage 
to a, to a guy in exchange for seven years of hard labor, and then at the wedding day does a switcheroo and gives a different daughter to the man that the guy worked seven years for. And imagine on your, the Bible says, and this is the hilarious part, that the guy didn't even realize it till the next day, which I don't know how wedding night went when you figure out that that's not the woman I was supposed to marry. Here's the crazy thing in all this. Listen to this. Desperate housewives ain't got nothing on the Bible. And the craziest part of all this, all that I just shared with you happened in the first 21 chapters of Genesis. Like, we haven't even gotten to the rest of the Bible. We're just talking about 21 chapters in the very beginning of this book, and here's all of this dysfunction. And then you look at Jesus' family. You know, you read about these mighty men that were in Jesus' lineage. You know, he had Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. And then if you look in Matthew chapter 1, you also see Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba. And this is the only place in all of Scripture where there's women actually listed in the genealogy. Normally it's just men. But in this one, you have Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba. And listen to this. Tamar dressed like a prostitute to seduce her father-in-law into sleeping with her. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a product of incest. She was a Moabite. And the Moabites were a product of Lot sleeping with his oldest daughter. Bathsheba was a rape victim by a guy who who had a heart after God. And so I say all that because Jesus is not intimidated by our sexual problems because his family had sexual problems. So any of you in here that come out of some sexual issues in your own family, know that you're in good company because Jesus knows how you feel. And there's a reason that Jesus put all of that in Matthew 1 is so that we know that not only did he come for sinners, but he came through sinners. And Jesus' family was full of sinners. And Jesus' family was full of hurt and dysfunction. And guess what? He invites you into his family. You and I are welcomed. Ephesians chapter 2, look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. We read this last week, but I want to read it again. It says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also member of his household. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself. We talked about that last week. Jesus is our cornerstone. He is what we build on. He is, he is the good news. He is everything for us. And it says this, verse 21, in him the whole building, this is, this is people, it's not building, it's people. All of God's people is being what? What's those two words? Join together and they rise to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built, what's the word? Together, built together, built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. OSC is a family. This scripture says that we were in God's family. So if we're in God's family and he is the father, then I am a son and you are daughters. For women in here, for men in here, you're sons. We are the sons and daughters of God. So that means if you and I are sons and daughters of God, what does that mean that we are with each other? Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. And by the way, let me just get this off my chest. People who say, hey, brother. Y'all heard that before in church? Hey, brother. That's code name for I don't know your name. (laughs) Just want to let you know. 
Okay, it's code name for I don't know your name. It's better just to say, hey, brother, I don't know your name. Okay, and then you can get away with it. So um, just wanted to let, I just had to get that off my chest. All right, so, but OSC is a family. And you, when you walk into this house, because remember, this is not just a building. Church is not a building. It's not a place you go to. It's a people you belong to. We want you to feel at home. We want you to feel like you came into family. And we work very, very hard to create an environment where you feel welcomed and you feel loved. And I pray <laughs> every week that this house is not a sterile, cliquish, snobbish, exclusive house, but that it is a house that's filled with laughter and hope and love, and you're valued, and you're seen, and you're served, and you're cared for, and you're challenged, and you're sent out into the world. Come on, that's my prayer. Listen, I came here 15 years ago, and I haven't been here for 15 years because I found a great church. I came here, and I stuck for 15 years because I found a great family. So I've had many, plenty of opportunities to go find another church, and Pastor Bob has offended me enough for me to want to walk out and leave, but when you're in family... And I've done the same to him. Because how many of you know, family's messy, right? And everybody that doesn't say that, you don't have a family. It's messy. And so it's not about me, it's about we. It's not just Jesus and me and Jesus and my relationship. Our relationship with God was never called to be private. It was always called to be public. There's nowhere in Scripture that God tells you to have a private relationship with Jesus. Nowhere. Everywhere in Scripture you see that when people believed in God, they belonged to a family. They joined them together. You need a people. You need a people. So it's not Jesus and me, it's Jesus and we. Number two is this, less me and more we. Less me and more we. How many of you um, love Sam's? Sam's Club? Yeah, any, any, any Sam's members here? Uh, <clears throat> Sam's is an awesome place, by the way. Sam's, you know, you get an annual membership. You got to be a member there, or you just got to steal somebody else who has a member, however that works for you. Um, but Sam's is awesome. I mean, it's like, a, it's like a bite-sized buffet of happiness that makes you so, I mean, you can walk down the aisles and get, uh, and get pizza. I mean, like, literally, you could just, you could go and eat dinner there. I mean, you get pizza, and then you get fish, and then you get a little cheese snack, and then you get some boudin, and then you, I mean, you're just going down, you get a fruit tray, you get a salad, chocolate. I mean, you just finish it off. You go around the desserts, you know, get a piece of pie. I mean, it's awesome. And it makes, it makes sitting in a line for an hour for 60 rolls of toilet paper totally worth it. <laughs> right? Can I get a witness? Because you know you ain't buying toilet paper in the 12s. You're buying them in the, like the 120s. Okay. And it makes it totally worth it. And it's awesome. And it's a place you go, they got massive quantities of stuff and great deals. And you go and you, you like shop for your family like for, you know, a couple months or whatever. I mean, you just get some great stuff there more than you would at grocery stores. The problem with that, though, is, is that people take that same mentality, that same culture of what that is when it comes to shopping for groceries, and they bring that into the church, and so what they do is they're looking for churches that meet all of their needs. So I, I need the church to do this for me, and I need it to do this for me, and I, it needs to have this for me, and it needs to have this and that and this and that. And the Bible is never designing the church. God never designed the church to be a place that met your needs. The church is not a place that you just attend and it meets your needs. 
The church is a house that you live in and serve in. And the mentality of I just want to attend something, I think actually undermines what God is building and what he's wanting to do in your life. Because he's never called you just to attend something. He's called you to be a part of something. He wants you to be in. See, because if it's just about you attending and getting in and finding your little spot and getting your little worship on and getting your little word and then hurrying up and getting out before everybody does, you're going to dilute what God wants to do in your life. Did you know that there are 30 commands in the New Testament? Now listen to this. There's 30 commands in the New Testament that you can't obey unless you're part of a church. Did you know that? There are 30 commands in the New Testament you can't obey unless you're part of a church or a spiritual family. And so less me, more we. Less me, more we. Now, if you notice in our house, we have a lot of babies. And uh, we love kids around here. Um, we love our wives a lot more, but we have kids by the byproduct of that. And so we have a lot of children around here. We've got a lot of babies. Uh, we have almost 70 kids. We'll probably have more today. 70 kids every weekend um, that's happening in our church. And, and we love babies. And I love babies. They're brand, you know, they're brand spanking new. And, you know, they depend on you for everything. I mean, you've got to feed them. You've got to take care of them. You've got to, you, you just do everything. Everything is for them. And, and that's awesome in that season. And you're just, you're taking 27 pictures of your baby and posting 27 of them on Facebook. And it's just, you know, it's just your world. It's just awesome. But that baby doesn't just stay a baby. That baby grows and grows and grows and grows and, and, and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, and so as the baby gets bigger, not only are you now hopefully doing, or you are hopefully doing less for the baby, how many know it's a glorious day when you're not changing a diaper? That is a glorious day. We have, just, we, have just, we have just gone into the stage where our boys are taking their own showers and baths. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so as, as your kids get older, it's great that they're in the baby stage for it is. But how many know if you were still having to change them, wipe them, feed them when they were 16, we got an issue. It's not cute anymore. And if you're doing that at 30... Somebody needs to go into a, some kind of facility. Y'all with me? And so it's expected that as that baby grows older, that he grows not only in size and in stature, but he also grows in responsibility. So this is how it works in our home. Um, you know, our boys, uh, uh, we've been on, I'm not going to name which one it is. It's the middle one. But we've been on, <laughs> we've been on him for I don't know how long I've been on him because he eats lunch. He eats lunch in our living room and they'll play the Wii like during their little school break because um, we do homeschooling. So while they're in their little school break, they can play the Wii and, and eat his little Lunchable, which are nasty, by the way. Um, eats his little Lunchable. He's got a little sippy cup. You know, he's sucking on. And I'll come home from the end of the day at work and, and, and sitting right where Judah is, is a pile of cheese, the Lunchable empty tray, and the juice cup. Can anybody get a witness on this one? Yeah. My, my son is seven years old. And so I said, you got two feet? Yeah, Daddy, I got two feet. You got two hands? Yeah, I got two hands. You know where the trash can is? Um, yeah, I know where the trash can is. You better pick this stuff up. This, this needs, and listen, and this is almost happening still almost every day now. Juice cups like in random places all throughout our house. I'm like, Judah, 
Judah. And I just got to say Judah. And he's like, I'm out of dad. I got it, daddy. And he comes. Because spankings have now become a part of the, uh, the goal of getting him to learn. And listen, when he was a little kid, I didn't mind wiping the table and throwing away his stuff. He's seven years old now. And I'm expecting him to go and take care of some of that stuff because I said, listen, if this house is going to operate, this isn't my house. This is our house. Everybody's got to pitch in their weight. And one of the most glorious days that I have, let's put a picture of it because I'm training my sons early, was this day. (laughs) How many know that's a glorious day right there? You know, the bad thing about that picture is my self-propel was broke. So it was self-propel. He was self-propelling it. But listen, you can take that off. (laughs) We want to oftentimes keep church as a place you just attend, a place you just participate or or just spectate in because if I can keep it as a place that I just attend or an organization that I join, then I can deflect responsibility because it's just a place I go to versus a family that I'm a part of. Y'all with me here? And so it's less we, uh, less me and more we. This church is not a museum that you come to and look and listen. It's a movement that you join and you sacrifice and you be a part of. And God is building his church, and it's less about me, and it's more about we, what we could do together. And see, here's the thing, because when you connect with Jesus, when you really get, when you love Jesus, and you realize how much Jesus loves you, and then you realize what Jesus has done for you, let me tell you what happens. See, when, when you meet Jesus in a powerful way, and you start walking with him, he ignites a joy in your life to not only follow him, but to serve people. It just happens the more you spend time. And I'm going to show you because it's a part of the nature of who Jesus was. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. It says this. It says, for even the Son of Man, that's Jesus. Notice the family language there. He's a son. He's the son of his father. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to what? To be? Come on, let's say that loud. To be? Come on. How many know if there's anybody on the planet that could have come to be served, it was Jesus. Right? If there's anybody on the planet that could say, serve me, it would be Jesus. And this verse says that he came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, when you hang out with Jesus, you, you get Jesus' heart. And Jesus' heart is, it's not about me, it's all about we. It's not about me, it's all about them. It's not about me and my comfort and my seat and my stuff and my place. It's, it's about what I can do now to bring other people into this, to be a part of this. It's no longer me, it's less me and more we. More we. And at OSC, we call these people, because our house is full of people who say less me and more we, we call these people our dream team. The dream team are those who have been on the inside, who, who got radically touched by God and have now chosen to serve on the outside. You know, all those guys that were out there that were parking today, they're not on probation. <laughs> like, you guys messed it up. Get out. I'll let you know when you can come back in. Like, that's not what's going on. Those guys are guys that have said, I'm all in. I want to help. I want to help people find a good spot. And maybe you cussed them out, but they were here to help you. 
to help you find a good place, that they put aside their needs, their families. They got here early to make that happen. There's people in our OSC Kids building all the way in the back or in our Ark Nursery that are building your kids, teaching your kids about Jesus, praying that I would hurry up and stop so they can hurry up and get your kids out. No, I'm joking. There are people that have stepped up and are leading life groups, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but there are people who have stepped up and said, I'm not just going to attend a life group because I want my little us four no more, but I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna lead a group because I know there's people in this church that need family and I wanna create a place where they can come and find family. And that's our dream team. And they step up and say, less of me and more of we. And there's guys who got here at six o'clock this morning to start cooking a jambalaya, not for themselves, but for you. And got here early and organized seats and pushed things around and cut cards and made things happen and and checked in your kids so that way you could have a safe environment for your kids to be here and made coffee that you enjoyed. Come on, how many enjoy coffee? And a worship team that gets here early and practices and works throughout the week to, to bring you into the presence of God. Less of me, more of we. It's not about me. It's all about we. And these are not professional church workers. We actually have a very limited staff. You, you know how many people we have on staff here? Two. I'm full-time, Bridget's part-time. So actually one and a half. One and a half. And I love people that say, man, what can we do? This church is where it is, not because of me, Not because of Bridget, not because of our staff. It's because of our dream team. They literally make this church what it is. They make this church what it is. Christy, I don't know if y'all know Christy. She wouldn't want me to say this because she doesn't like the limelight. But Christy Petrie serves in our church office three days a week, over 24 hours a week for no pay. Just to connect with you, to help you and bless you. Come on, I give honor where honor is due. And guess what? You won't see her in here. Is Christy in here? You know why? Less me, more we. She'll be making your cotton candy after family fun day. She's making it right now. Just smiling. You know why? Less me, more we. Come on, how many on the receiving end of that? How many love that? We get to be a part of that. Less we. Your involvement will determine how much of the family you're going to get. And however much you want to be involved is how much family you get. It's the same with your family. If you're never at home, you just don't get that much of your family. But if you commit to be home, to spend time, you know, there's nights where I'm away for three or four nights and Lindsay's like, I need you home. I need you home. And I know, I know what that means. Daddy need to get home. So we want you home. We want you here. So less we, more, less me, more we. Number three, last one, we'll wrap this up. We is greater than me. We is greater than me. There's these, uh, I shared this with our guys this, this week at our men's Bible study, which by the way, if you're a man, 6 a.m., Java Jolts, best place to be on a Friday, great way to start your weekend. We're there every Friday. But uh, I told them the story about these Belgian horses there's uh, these Belgian horses that have the ability to pull 8,000 pounds. That's a lot of weight. It's 
a lot more than my car can pull. All right, so 8,000 pounds that these that these that this horse can pull. One horse can pull 8,000 pounds. Now, if you go and you were just to grab another random Belgian horse, they've never worked together, and you were to pair them up together for them to do a pull, you would think they could pull 16,000 pounds, right? But it's not the case. They actually can pull 24,000 pounds. Triple what one could do by themselves. Now, here's the crazy thing. That's if you just were to put that wild other Belgian horse together, if you actually trained both horses to work together, they could pull 32,000 pounds together with two horses, four times their amount. We is always greater than me. You see this all throughout sports. I love the NBA Finals this year because it was the Golden State Warriors Versus LeBron James. That's what it was. And you saw what a championship team looked like when they worked together, and you saw another guy when he tried to take it all on his own. You just saw it. And I loved it. Because you saw the value of we is greater than me. You saw that if we do this together, we can make things happen. It's, it's the same that, that we all understand this concept because if you have an alcohol addiction or you have a drug addiction and you want to get sober, you know you can't do it alone. You know it. You know it. And everybody else knows it. You know that it's not going to work if you try to do it alone. And you eventually, eventually realize that you need a we. You need a we. And so you'll get into a we and you will begin to share what your, what your addictions are, and then you'll have accountability groups and partners and all that, and then you'll realize that together we can maybe beat this because you need a we. Because here's the truth. We always quit alone. Come on, anybody tried working out alone? I told Lindsay, like, I've been wanting to work out, and that's as far as it's gotten. <laughs> like my wife, every day, she's running like three or four miles. I'm just cheering her on. I'm like, I would love to do that. But I know, like, if I try to work out alone, I will be like, what? Okay, all right, so. Like, I will quit alone. About four or five years ago, I did P90X with a group of guys. And the, the competition inside of me drove me to get better, because I was working alongside these guys. So I had to do whatever. They did 10 push-ups, I did 11. They did, you know, I was always doing that. And it was good because it pushed me to get greater. That's what, even what a coach does, pushes you to get greater. That's what other teammates do. They push you to get greater. But if you're by yourself, you will quit alone. And I'm going to tell you, that same thing applies to our spiritual walk with God. If you are alone, you will quit. If you are alone, you'll believe the lies of the enemy. If you are alone, you, you won't continue the race. But if you get with a we, you can go further, faster, and farther than you ever believed that you ever could if you get with a we. We is greater than me. And I want to have people around me that tell me, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Psalms 92, it says this. It says, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted. It's a big word. Planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts of our God. 
Notice it doesn't say they casually attend the house of the Lord. It says they're planted. And notice the promise that happens. When you and I are planted, when it's not about me, but it's more about we, when it's not about Jesus and me, but it's about Jesus and we, when we understand that we is greater than me, when we get planted into the house of God, knowing that God places the lonely in families and we let him place us in family, when that happens, the promise is that you will what? Say it. Flourish. You'll flourish. Over the course of the next couple of weeks, we'll start sharing stories of this. And you're going to hear actual real stories of people that have gotten planted in the house and what God's done in their marriages, what God's done in their personal lives, what God's done in their families. And every one of you today have the opportunity and the invitation to be a part of this family. And if this is not your church and maybe you're just visiting with somebody else just for Family Fun Day, I promise you, your pastor would love for you just to get planted where you are. Just get into your church and get planted. Because it's not for the pastor, and it's really not even just for the church. It's for you. You need it. You need to be planted. Because in heaven, listen to me when I say this, in heaven, you don't get awards or rewards for attending church. You don't. Like Jesus doesn't look at you and go, oh man, you, you, you went to church, good job. You don't get rewards for attending church. You can look it up in the Bible, see if you can find it. It's not there. Let me tell you what you get rewards for. You get rewards for building with Jesus and the church. That's what you get rewards for. You get rewards for being a part of the church and giving and being a part of it, contributing to it, being, being in it. And most of you, what you're giving your best to is not what Jesus is giving his best to. And what Jesus is giving his best to is, I will build my church. I'll build my church. And he's looking for people who want to build the church with him. So I'm inviting you, giving you an opportunity today to be a part of the family, to be on a dream team, to get involved in life groups, we're doing everything that we can to make this a place for you to get connected. Now it's on you, whether you do or don't. That's on you. But I want you to. My heart burns for this because I realize that my family is a byproduct of being connected to family. When tragedy hit our family two and a half years ago, I was thankful that my family was in the family of God because we were able to get through what we went through because of this family. And there's some of you that are in a place where if something happened to you, you wouldn't have family. And I want you to have family. See, healthy families grow. Healthy families grow. And so we continually want our family to get bigger. We want more people to be a part of our family. Luke, Luke 14, 23, and this is my last verse. It says, so his master said to him, go out into the country into the country lanes and behind the hedges. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Anybody that you see, you see them, tell them to come because we want our house to be full. And I'm gonna tell you this, as long as heaven and hell are realities, and they are, heaven is real and hell is real. And as long as those places are realities, 
And our church has to grow. It has to. I'm not concerned about the people sitting in these seats. I'm concerned about the people that if they were to die today, they'd split hell wide open. That's what my heart breaks for. My heart breaks for the people that are out there that are looking for all their fulfillment in all the wrong places. Like that's where my heart breaks. My heart breaks for people that don't have a home, that don't have a family. And the heartbeat of our house is to reach people, to reach people who are not here yet and to build lives. We want to do that. And we're going to do that. And so with that being said, I want to share with you what our big announcement is. We are continually growing. At this time last year and where we are today, our church has grown 35% in one year. In one year. It's awesome. It's all God. And here's a really cool thing. 193 salvations in 2015. 2015. And so, and so we, we're just at a place now where actually the greatest issue that we have is space. The greatest issue that we have is... <laughs> oh my God. Um, we have 314 here today. So... That's exciting. And let me tell you why we share numbers. Let me tell you why we share numbers. Because behind every number is a soul. And behind every soul is a story. And behind every story, there's, a, there's somebody that matters to God. So every one of those 190-something people that have gotten saved, there's a story there. And where our church is growing now, there's stories. And if we had time here to have people stand up and share their stories, it would, it would blow you away to see what God's doing. So we want our house to be full. We want our house to continue to be full. We want our children's ministries to be full. So two things that we're doing, and I'll share both of them. First off, October 4th, you can write it down. October 4th, we are going to two services. Yeah. So we're going to make space for more people to fill the house. And so we'll have a 9 o'clock and a 1045. They'll both be identical. Um, we'll have children's, you know, uh, all of our children's programs for both services. And uh, we're, this is just a time. This is when we've been needing to do this. And uh, as you can tell, our house is full here. And I don't know, like if you go to the movie theaters, you ever go to the movie theaters? And like the number one thing that you pray is that it's not packed. Come on, let's be honest. How many you pray that you don't have to sit next to somebody? Yeah, we know, we know, because you do it in church. And so we want to create some space, create some room for people to, to, to come and for you to bring more people, um, for more salvations to happen. So we're going to go to that. And then one of the other big things is, um, as many of you seen on the outside, when you walk outside, you'll see on the right, we've been believing for... Um, a brand new reach center and, uh, and, and building. We need, to, we need to build. We need to expand. Our children's facility is, is at the max right now. We cannot fit any more children in there. And so we, we were going to build this brand new reach center with a brand new auditorium and all new kids facilities. And when we went to the architect and they 
finally drew up all the plans of what it was gonna take. Um, we had budgeted about $500,000 for us to build this building. And when it came back, it came back at $1.2 million. And we said, oh, I think that's gonna be a hard sell to stand up and tell people we need double what we had committed. So we went back to the drawing board, began to pray and really ask God, what is the most immediate need? What do we need to do right now? What, where, how can we make this work? Met with the architect again. And so what we're doing is, when you go outside and you see that image on the wall, we're not building that. We're, we've changed it. But we are building something. And we are building a brand new, it'll be almost 5,000 square feet, OSC Kids facility. That's gonna go on here. So. So everything that you've been given to REACH, we had over $650,000 committed to our REACH project. We've brought in a little over $200,000 already, and uh, we've been able to launch Crowley with that. So Crowley's up and going and doing well, and so now we're focusing here on Jennings. And so if you look right there, you see our kids' facility over here on the front when you drive in. And so our new kids' facility will actually now be attached to this building, and you will no longer have to walk all the way over to your kids. So really excited about that. Everything will be under the roof. And so we'll have brand new, um, a, a brand new covered parking for you to drop off your kids. And then you can go and drop off your wife. And everything, when you walk down the hall and go to our bathroom, you would just keep walking and you're gonna go right into our brand new children's facility. I think we got another picture of it a little bit differently. Um, look, there you go. So our current kids, uh, our current worship center with our bathrooms here, and then you walk right into it, and now we'll have all brand new uh, Quest and Quest Junior and Rainforest, and we'll have a, a place for us to pray and gather and dream team together, and uh, it's going to be awesome, and we're building it for half of the price, and so excited about that. So... As, you're, as you are giving um, over the course of the next months, just know reach giving is going to make this happen. So in the next couple of weeks, um, probably within the next two or three weeks, you'll start seeing concrete getting ripped out and we're gonna expand all of our parking. And so, so bear with us as this transition process is happening, but it's all happening because we wanna make more space for more people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, this is what I want to do this morning. On your seat, you got a card like this, and we're going we're gonna to let you go, but you got a card that looks just like this. And this is, this is what I'm asking um, for you to do, because I believe one of the greatest things that we can do as a church is to continue to help people take a next step. So if, if, this isn't your, if this isn't your church home, don't worry about this. You don't have to fill this out. But if you are interested in making this your church home, or, or taking your next step and we can help make that happen, um, I, I want you to participate with us in filling this out and this will help us. Now I wanna direct your attention just to a couple things real quick. For those today that have not made a decision to follow Jesus, you haven't put your, your whole heart in Jesus. Today, more than anything, we want you to know Jesus. And so you're gonna see four responses on here my spiritual response today, today's message is A, I've already put my trust in Jesus. If that's you, check that off. B, today I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. Today's a new day. C, I'd like to consider it a bit more first, and that's fine too. Or D, I don't ever intend on making that decision, and that's fine too. But we ask that you would take a moment and really pray and ask God where you fit in that category. 
And then you're going to look down and you're going to see my next step is to, maybe it's to be water baptized. Maybe it's to attend our next step class and, and jump into discovering your purpose and finding out what our church is all about. Maybe it's getting into a life group. Maybe it's joining the dream team and being a part of serving and helping and being a part of that. Whatever it is, you can, you can check off multiple boxes. That's fine. Then the next phase is you're going to see a thing that says, if we were to teach three topics, what would you want to hear about? We did this survey about four months ago and a lot of, got a lot of great things, but we've grown ex exponentially since that time. So we thought we'd do it again. Because on October 4th, when we launch two services, we're going to do a series called You Asked For It. And we're going to do a whole month on questions that you want us to preach on. So based off of what you fill out here, we'll determine what we preach on for the month of October. And so we want you to highlight or check off three things that you deal with that you would like to hear us do a message on. Pick three, don't do 20, that won't help us. Do three. And then the last but not least is, what kind of life group would you be interested in? You should have received a, a life group form or a life group paper um, that has all the different life groups that we are hosting, we're kicking off, and we want you to be a part of our life group family. There's almost 20 of them, from men to women to students to our financial FPU one. Which by the way, let me say this, if you wanna be a part of the financial FPU class, um, we need to know by tomorrow, because we have to order all of the materials and all the stuff. It's $93 a per, per, per person or per couple, but if money is an issue, come talk to me. We will not let money be an issue for you not to attend this class. And so if you would like to go through this class, the class is actually free. The $93 is actually for the kit, it's for the kit. So if you wanted to show up to the class and not worry about the kit, show up. You can come for that too. But uh, if you would like the kit and everything, we want to help you with that. And so you can mark financial on here and we'll get with you. Um, but you'll see all the different types that we have on here, the ones that you may be interested in. We'd, we definitely would love to follow up with you and get you connected. So I want us to do this. So just, just all across this room, if you just mind just for one minute, just stopping where you are. And I just want to pray over you. And I wanna pray over those today that wanna make that decision to know Jesus. So for those today that you, you would say, I'd like to make Jesus Lord of my life, I would like to surrender my heart to him. You, you, you wanna check off the B category. That's, that's where I am. That's where I am. I haven't surrendered my life to God. I've really been doing things my own way. And today I wanna make him Lord of my life. I wanna give my heart to him. I want all, listen, all heads bowed. I don't want anybody looking around. This is a, a real sacred moment for us. If that's you and the Holy Spirit is just doing something in your heart and he's drawing you and you say, today I wanna respond to know Jesus as Lord of my life. If that's you all across this room, would you just begin to raise your hand? If that's you, we wanna, we wanna see you. Come on, I see your hand. Anybody else? I see yours, 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 I see yours. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, today's the day. Thank you for being honest. I see yours in the back. Thank you. I see yours over here. I see yours. Thank you for being honest. Today's the day. Today is the day of salvation. God is drawing you. He's bringing you into his family. Come on, I wanna be a part of the family of God. Okay, I see yours. I see yours. You can put your hand down. Awesome, 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 awesome. Come on, let's just all together, we're gonna to pray this together. And if you raise your hands, we wanna pray for you. Uh, but we wanna pray this together because this is a declaration we make every day. So we say, we say, Father, 
Come on, sit, repeat this at me. Say, Father, today I commit my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for taking my place. Today, I repent of my sins. I turn from living life my own way. I follow you today. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Give me a new start. Today, I declare that you are Lord. I'll follow you all the rest of my days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's